Well, this past week, uh, maybe you heard about that they're going to close down the Terra Theater on Cheshire, Cheshire Bridge Road. You know what I'm talking about? No, no one knows what I'm talking about. You do, thank you. Well, it's been an Atlanta icon for like 54 years. I read that it was the first theater in the city to show Star Wars, the, the 1977 Star Wars, the, the only Star Wars that you need, in my opinion. I'm here for questions about that later. In the AGC, one of the former owners of the theater is quoted saying, it's another piece of Atlanta's soul being chipped away. Now, I was born and raised in this city, and what he's speaking about is the apparent ceaseless transformation that this city has been going through for most of its history. And the language of things being chipped away is this lament around the loss of structures of history and place and memory. And it's true. This town moves on, and it moves on quickly. It doesn't look the same or feel the same or even sound the same as it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and certainly not before that. The hashtag uh, TeardownAtlanta was for a long time a very robust uh, way to see pictures and stories about old structures and buildings and famous bars and neighborhoods all being torn down to make room for something new, which usually means something more expensive. I think the Instagram account, the Atlanta Beltline hates you, is kind of an extension <laughs> of this hashtag. It's worth the follow. And some of the good things, uh, they just don't always stick around. We had an intern this past summer named Rachel. Anybody remember Rachel? Uh, and we were headed to a meeting, the three of us, uh, and we were going down Peachtree Road, and there was a new restaurant being built uh, on Peachtree Road. And um, it was really cool, you know, because all the new restaurants are really cool. And great colors, they tell me. I'm colorblind. Uh, There's great color scheme, cool benches and bars and lights and all that sort of stuff. And Rachel from the back seat was like really impressed because she's from Johnson City, Tennessee, and nothing changes there. Uh, Nothing is new uh, where nothing happens. And she was impressed and she was like, man, I really, that's a really cool restaurant that they're building. That's so cool that it's there and you can live above it and walk down and eat there. And, uh, and the two jaded pastors in the front seat said, eh, we give it like a year, maybe two tops. Are you with me on that? You know, the new thing goes in and everybody's all over it. And then it's like, now it's a Chipotle. So <laughs> then it's a CVS, then it's a Chipotle again, then it's a bank. <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying is the baseline mantra of don't get too attached is a really good approach for living in this town, especially if you're a sports fan, just on the side. Now, you know this. One of the frustrations of life is its transience, its temporariness. All of us are troubled at times when things that have mattered so much to us, uh, they end up getting swept away in the tides of change, uh, development, transience, all of that. Life's chief frustration is that it doesn't remain stable. And when these meaningful structures and places and memories fall, we're often left with that question like, well, how do we, what do we do next? How do we carry on? What's the next thing? And our gospel reading for today, if you were listening and reading as uh, 
Brian was reading that for us, you were probably thinking, what in the world is this one about? But our gospel reading today really hands us that question. How do you carry on when things that matter fall apart? And somewhat in that gospel is an answer. The scene begins with this picture of wonder and amazement. Luke writes, when some were speaking about the temple, the disciples, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God. This is the first image we get in the story. These disciples just gawking at the temple as the disciples are caught up in the beauty and the splendor of the temple. This feeling of wonder and amazement. They're seeing this thing that has been such a part of their history and their faith and their community. It's wonderful. They're drawn in. They're looking at it. They want to see it. Why not? It has meaning. It's very, very important. It's an icon of their faith. Like 20 years ago, I wasn't in Israel, but I was in California. And I was there for a conference for youth pastors. So this was 20 years ago, so it was a lot of goatees. <laughs> I did not, I mean, I wasn't one of those people, but like, I just kept thinking like, just a lot of youth ministers look like Civil War reenactors. Like, I don't know, I don't know what's happening. But we were there and uh, the, the person with me was my coworker. Uh, he was the middle school pastor. I was the high school pastor. And uh, we were driving around or driving up Sunset Boulevard. And um, we, we, we were driving up Sunset and I say, pull the car over. He's like, whoa, whoa, what's wrong? Just pull it over. And he pulls over and he's like, what's happening? And I was like, there it is, the whiskey a go-go. He's like, what? <laughs> and I looked at him, you know, because he was a Backstreet Boys fan. And I said, the doors played here. They were like the house band here. And he's like, what? I'm like, Guns N' Roses played here. Everybody played here, you know? He didn't really get it. But for me, I was like, I have to stand here and look at it. And as a music fan, you know, you know what I'm saying, right? You hear this every week. You're annoyed with it all the time. Uh, but it had some meaning, you know? Like, and uh, I have to give credit to my friend Todd, who lives just up the street from there. He took those pictures and sent them to me last week. Uh, he was asking me about what the sermon was. And I was like, I'm going to talk about the whiskey. And he's like, you want a photo? Yeah. Because I was just going to, you know, gank one from the internet. But uh, that's a real one. That's from my friend. You don't know. You don't care. <laughs> now, this is not the same, I know. This is not the temple. I mean, it's somebody's temple, you know. And though the temple uh, had been around since the days of Solomon, what the disciples were staring at was the renovated version of the temple that King Herod had started almost 50 years before. Now, Herod kind of lost his mind in his later years, but history knows him in his prime as a wonderful designer and builder of theaters and palaces and even cities. This guy was very influential as a designer and builder. And the temple got the whole Property Brothers, you know, work up. Upgrades, new decor, but the most impressive feature of Herod's renovation was the size of the thing. It used to sit on 17 acres, but when Herod was done with it, it was 36 acres in space. And he expanded the thing that covered this vast amount of real estate. Here's a photo of a model of it. 
and then an aerial photo of it today, it's massive. So you can just understand why the disciples are just staring at it. This is a thing. This is a moment. This is a structure that's spectacular. But it also carried so much meaning and significance for them. The temple was the central icon of Israel's faith and community and practice. If the heart of their existence had an address, it's the temple, this very sacred space. And it's into that moment that Jesus ruins everything. Luke goes on to say, Jesus said, Oh, as for these things you see, the day will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. Jesus is saying, oh, this old thing, it's not going to be around forever. It's going to go away. Now, what Jesus is speaking to is the eventual destruction of the temple and the fall of the city of Jerusalem itself that would take place at the very back end of a several years war that would end in the year 70 AD. And in the few years leading up to that destruction, there would be fighting and insurrections and the rise of false messiahs and leaders and all sorts of chaos and disorientation, people taken away and also tremendous loss of life. That's what the rest of the text lays out. So Jesus speaks to a coming destruction of everything that was held sacred among his disciples and of course those who were standing around and listening as well. And Jesus does not withhold reality. He says to them, it's all coming down. And you need to know that. Be prepared for that. And what's most compelling, and this is really what you want to hear today, is that Jesus speaks about it as though it will be this window of opportunity to flourish, to somehow find peace in the wake of such loss. Our church has a history of um, experience with gains and losses. This has been a community uh, that has gotten used to the practice of letting things go, of leaving things behind and moving on. We have a phrase in the office, we say, we're scrappy. We know how to move forward even if it's tough. We'll make it work. That's just really been our motto since day one. From our first Sunday back in 2004, all the way up until 2019, when we purchased this place, our church was caught in an ongoing cycle of potential homelessness. Some of you may know this. This is the first building we've ever owned. Everything up to this point was a rental. We were renting, and none of them were long-term leases. When I came on staff in 2007, our church was meeting in this building that you see on the wall. Pretty cool space. Very ugly, kind of a Star Wars-y, I don't know what it is. Um, But it's wonderful. I mean, if there was ever like an apocalypse, that's the building you want to be in, you know? When weather got bad, we were like, everybody comes to work, it's it's okay. It's not going to come down. Uh, But that's where we were on Peachtree Road up in Buckhead. That's the name, Christian Church Buckhead. Now, that building used to belong to a church that was there for a long time, and it closed its doors. It it died. And so just being in the building itself was a reminder that things don't last forever. This used to belong to another congregation that had hopes and dreams. 
and some weird theology. They were a Christian church scientist building. (laughs) Zero medical professionals in that building. True story, when I was interviewing, they were doing a series called Good Medicine. Okay, and I was in the interview, and um, they were like, "Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but the Church of Christ Scientists is a non-medical, like, just it's a miracle. Everything's a miracle." Um, and I was sitting in the interview, and they were like, "I said that's really ironic. You're doing a series called Good Medicine in this old building." And one of the elders was like, "What?" <laughs> so I wrote down in my journal, "Workshop on Mary Baker Eddy." So anyway. <laughs> of my jokes never land. I'm used to that. So, Uh, but it used to belong to a church that had closed up. And even though the property was always for sale, even though we moved in and rented, it was still always for sale. The landlord allowed us to rent it, but check this out only on a month to month basis. So that's how we went into that building. You can, you can be here, but it's month to month. So that feels permanent, doesn't it? That feels stable. And we were in that building for 10 years on a month-to-month lease. And that's stressful for everybody. While I was still even in the interviewing process, like I wasn't even on the payroll yet, they invited me to a building search meeting, an early indicator that things were very loose and uncertain about the place of this parish at that time. Every month I got a call from the landlord for 10 years, every month to let me know whether we needed to move out or that we could stay. Now, some of y'all didn't know that, but that's the way it was. And the other thing about that space was it was wonderful. It was great. That's Lindsay's uh, mini Cooper on the porch, by the way. That was our staff parking. Um, there were two previous locations that we met as a church before this one, but it was the Peachtree Road place where we really began to settle and take shape. We grew in there. I mean, it was at some point, like really big, lots of people coming. Our staff grew, all of those things. There were weddings in there. We did funerals in there. Uh, There were, we celebrated church anniversaries in there. There were parties, there were Bible studies, Seder dinners, men's breakfasts, egg hunts, baptisms. I have a thing that I took from the building that's hanging in my office of all the names of the people who were baptized that had signed this thing. It's hanging in my office. I mean, just tons of baptisms that took place in there. It was a wonderful, wonderful space. And then it all went away. We got a call and they said, you got 60 days to find a place. And we did. We found a place downtown. It was wonderful. The location was exciting. But there was definitely this experience of loss. This mourning, the loss of a space that felt very stable, that gave us the life we needed as a church. And For three years downtown, it felt very loose. Not long after it sold, I was driving back from a meeting. I was uptown, and Stephanie Runyon called me, and she said, hey, they're tearing it down. And so I pulled the car over, and I ran down the street to see the building come down. I went back every day to check on it until there was nothing left. And at one point... I remember standing there just looking at the rubble and thinking, this is harder than I thought it would be. This is really tough. And then I remember thinking, I don't know how many more times 
our church can do this. It was hard. And I think the longer you live, the more familiar you become with with change and even loss. Life is a road on which we are forced into this experience of leaving things behind, either by choice or by circumstances, the jobs that you've loved or the places that you've lived. They, they come, oh, it's tough. The people that we love, they, they come and they go. Last week, we gave the whole service we gave attention, the entire service, to those we've lost in our lives. It's a part of life. We've all walked through the uncomfortable trenches of loss, and we've all learned the hard lessons of the temporal and the fading, that whatever it is that we see as the foundation of our happiness, that that too can go away. It can just go away. And when we are find ourselves at the bottom of whatever it is that we're going through with all the losses around us, when we are surrounded by all of the fallen structures that once gave us so much meaning and stability, what Jesus is saying here is that it's there at the most tenuous and uncertain and helpless place that you might find yourself. It is there where you find what you most need. And that's the presence and the grace of God. Amen. When it's all gone, that's all you've got. I mean, we can keep pretending that we can control this thing all the way to the end, but there's still an end. There's still that moment where it's just you and the Lord. Jesus ends this upbeat teaching by saying, by your endurance, you will gain your what? Souls. The gain amidst all the losses is the knowledge that we ultimately belong to God, not these things that mean so much to us. Martin Luther said, I have held many things in my hands and have lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. And that lesson is only learned in loss. That lesson is never learned in control, in stability, in success. It's never learned there. It's always learned in loss. We encounter God at the most intimate level when we have gone through enough loss that we begin to see all the things around us as temporary. And it is there that we gain, Jesus says, our souls, our being, our life, as Brian read. Because it is there that we begin to learn that our hope is not in the things that we can hold or manage or control for a time. But our hope is in God who holds time. Amen. Who holds all things together. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 4 verses 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away. Our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure because we look not at what we can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, 
But what cannot be seen is what? Eternal. That there is a life beyond the things that we can control and even beyond the things that matter so much to us in these moments. And so I would say this, enjoy your life. I tried my best to enjoy mine. Love your family, serve your neighbor, develop deep and joyful friendships and somehow hold all of that with an open hand because at any moment it can go away. And it's in those moments, Jesus says, paradoxically, that we find our life, that we find our source, that we gain our souls.